stay, but uh, you know, sometimes you're just, you just got to respond. You just, you just got to directly address some things. So I want to ask you to prepare your heart. How many believe God's Word gives us instruction? God gives us counsel, gives us wisdom, and we look to the Word of God for those convictions, and we look to the Word of God for that counsel and that direction. And I'm going to believe today that if you'll pray with me, I'm going to take you on a journey. And on this journey, it's going to help you uh, kind of identify with what I believe is, is uh, the Spirit of God saying to us. I'm not speaking on behalf of the president. The president is called today a uh, day of prayer. So we've got some, uh, Jace is going to come up after preaching, and he's going to lead a, a certain prayer in a certain direction. JoJo's going to follow him, and he's going to lead us in prayer in a certain direction. And then Shane's going to lead us in a prophetic praise, declaring the victory of God. Come on, we're going to declare the victory of God in this house. Amen? So we're going to look to the Word. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us even now. Father of heaven, I've come to this house today, all of us kind of out of order, just kind of out of sync, God losing just a little bit of what we're most familiar with and most accustomed to. But God, we also pre we're preparing ourselves to respond. We're keeping not just the situation fluid, but we're keeping ourselves fluid because we want to be who you want us to be, where you want us to be, and when you want us to be, God. I remember what Mordecai said to Esther. If you remain silent at this time, God will bring salvation from another place. But perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Help each one of us here today to identify with the time and the season in which we're living and to be able to embrace these things in the godly conviction and godly counsel and wisdom and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God. I love you and I thank you for this opportunity to share this message today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I want to start off by taking you on a little bit of a journey because, because you know, this is certainly not the first time that something, they call it a pandemic. And so this is not the first time something like this has taken place in the history of the world, nor the history of the people that we study. We study the nation of Israel. We study the scriptures. We look at the little window of time that God gave us as we follow the nation of Israel, and we believe that it continues to speak generationally to us. So I'm going to take it, I'm going to look into the, the, the term plague for just a minute. Pestilence often is associated with sicknesses and diseases that grew out of more than just a localized sickness, but something that was spreading to an entire city or village or uh, even the nation as a whole. Those were uh, some of the words that you can find in Scripture. I want to show you contrasting situations first. I want you to see it just a little bit. I'm going to do this very briefly, but I want you to see how they responded to the crises that they met them and engaged them. The first of which, very quickly, was during the days of David. When David had numbered the children of Israel, which was against the teachings of the law of Moses, there was a repercussion of judgment. And the judgment that befell his people was that an angel was loose pronouncing pestilence upon the people. And during that time period, a short window of time, 70,000 Israelites died and perished uh, at the hands of this pestilence. But the scripture tells us, though, during this time period, David knew there was a way to combat it, to be able to stop its, its overreaching effect. And that wasn't taken away from such a strong loss of life. But David had purchased the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. 
And it was there that the site was chosen for later his son to build the temple. But David erected an altar. And here's what the Bible says. David built there an altar unto the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. That's powerful, isn't it? So let's go farther. Then we see another, because I want to show you three contrasting situations just real quickly. Jehoshaphat, one of the godly kings of Israel. The Ammonites and the Moabites had come against Judah. Jehoshaphat feared because they were outnumbered. This coalition of forces had come against the city of Jerusalem and the people of Judah. And so Jehoshaphat called for a fast. He gathered people together, much like our president has done, called us together for a day of prayer. So gathered for prayer. And so he prayed in accordance with Solomon's prayer. And I want to draw your attention to this. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, you're going to read about five verses, beginning at verse number 5. So let's look at that very quickly. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And I know that this wasn't a pestilence or a plague, but it was a crisis. Because typically in those days when an army came against a city, they would besiege the city. And if they stayed there long enough, famine ensued. And when famine ensued, uh, then often pestilence followed. And so, so there's enough of a correlation that we can connect to it. So Jehoshaphat called everybody together, and they began to seek the Lord. And he began to pray. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? He was looking to God. How many of you know we need to look to God during times like this? We need to look to his wisdom. He said, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people Israel, and gavest it to your seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And have built therein, they built a sanctuary for thy name. And then he said with this, he begins to quote, And Jason, remember what you taught on Wednesday night, praying the promises of God? Jehoshaphat is praying the promises of God. He's praying what God said uh, through his servant Solomon. If evil comes upon us as the sword, justice, or judgment, or pestilence, or famine, if we stand before this house and in your presence, for your name is in this house, and we cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. So this man of God stood on the promises of God and petitioned God according to the promises of God and said, God, will you help? And so, the, a, without taking the time, a prophetic word uh, is, uh, is, is uttered by one of the Levites. And the prophetic word said, stand still. That's a Stand still and see the salvation of God. You won't even need to fight in this battle. And then I read later in the 22nd verse that they went about something a little bit differently. Here's how they confronted the crisis. They sent the praise team out front. And they put the praise, the praise team in front of the warriors of Israel, and they began to worship. And look what it said in that 22nd verse. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Amnon, Moab, and they were smitten. Isn't that powerful? So we see this. Let's go a little bit farther. Hezekiah, another godly king of Judah. During this particular time in Scripture, it's the Assyrians. The Assyrians have been slaughtering all of 
the, the, the particular area uh, around Israel, not just the, uh, uh, the, the nation of Israel, but all the surrounding countries and nations, and they're coming against Israel. And they send a letter to Hezekiah. And they said, Hezekiah, we've taken city after city, nation after nation, and you're going to be next, and your kingdom's going to be destroyed. And the other gods weren't able to help them, and neither will your God be able to help you. And Hezekiah got that letter. And you know what he did with that letter? He went into the house of God, and he unscrolled that letter. And listen what he said. Let's read it. It's just five verses here. In, in 2 Kings chapter number 19, verses 14 through 19. Let's just read it on the screen. Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before God. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. And he said, Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, you're the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Bow down thine ear, hear, and open, Lord, thine eyes, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which have sent him to reproach the living God. O of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations. And he's not denying it. He's not saying, well, this is just a hoax. He's saying, this is real. They have. But look what he said further, verse 18. They've cast their gods into the fire because they weren't gods. They were the work of men's hands, wood, stone. Therefore, they've destroyed them. Verse number 19, though. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save us out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth. How many of you believe that even in crisis like this, God can get glory? God, God can make his presence known. And that the king, that should be our prayer. That God, in the midst of the, the, this particular crisis upon the world, that all the kingdoms of the earth are going to know that you're God. You and you alone are God. Amen? That should be our prayer in this house today. So, one last contrast, just real quickly, though, because it would be wrong if I didn't show you this, because here are these, these spiritual leaders, and they're interceding for the nation, and they're praying for God's intervention. But then here's one that's kind of a unique one. Jeremiah the weeping prophet. Jeremiah has watched the apostasy of the land for so long. And he's praying and he's asking God. But look what Je Jeremiah says. So I'm contrasting. I'm just showing you the contrast for a moment. Look at Jeremiah 14 verse number 11. Then said the Lord unto me, pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. So even in the Bible, we have contrasting responses, even from God. I wanted to mention that, and I wanted to put that here so you could see it. Think about it. Tuck that away. What about contrasting views of how the church is to respond, how to Christians? What's your corporate response? You know, I wrote it this way. We have hyper-overreaction to blatant ignorance and denial. We have the far pendulum swing, don't we? We have those that have been waiting since Y2K didn't wipe everything out. They've been waiting for this moment. I don't mean to say this. Some of you still got canned goods in your downstairs basement that you look on it and it says expiration 2001. And you're still hoping out. So, so I'm just trying to say there are some that have this mindset 
that, man, this is, this is the end, this is Armageddon, uh, the sky's fallen, and then there are others that just w- live in life ignorantly like it's not a real, it may not be a real deal to you until it's your loved one that's got the, cr- the virus, right? And we can say, well, it's only affecting about, you know, this particular age group, but what if you're in that age group, right? And so we've got to use caution and discretion. And so we've got to say, so what does God, God gives us a balanced approach, doesn't he? Does, is it God the God of wisdom? I mean, didn't I just quote to you? It was actually in Proverbs chapter number 27 where it says, The prudent foresees evil, hides himself, but it's the simple that just kind of carelessly and casually go into it and suffer the reproach. So we've got to be very careful, and we've got to find ourselves in the right place. Perhaps opportunities will be created for love and good works. I can tell you this, I am not fighting anybody for toilet paper. (laughs) Sherry and I are planning to plant our own organic toilet tissue very soon. (laughs) Sherry threw away cabbage leaves this week. I dug them out of the trash, said put them in that bag. We may need those soon. (laughs) Come on, people, that's funny right there. The reality is we pray for people. What does the church do? We pray. I can't say we got the answers, but we know he who does. Right? We pray. That's why we're here today. Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. So you're here today not just to get it for you. We're here to say, God, we want to lift up our hands in this house, and we want to pray for men and women, and we want to pray for people affected. Not just in the United States. We want to pray for people that are affected worldwide. And if one more person dies, that's too many. If their life is cut short because of a virus, you know what I've been praying for? I've been praying for a vaccine. I've been praying for some type of medicinal or miraculous. It doesn't matter. However God chooses to send it. I read in the Word of God, I read in the Word of God that sometimes God just healed those uh, by sickness and just supernaturally and miraculously. But I also see that sometimes God told a man to take a poultice of figs. Boil them and put them on the infection and you'd be made whole. So I've been praying, God, whoever it is that you want to give the ability to be able to address this and respond in the medical community, then we want to pray for that. Be ashamed. Be wrong for us not to. Correct? So we're interceding. And I will say this. I've been asked about what about opportunities to reach our community. I don't really know right now. Everything is still fluid. Everything is kind of coming forth. We're just going to have to wait and see. But perhaps opportunities will be created. I believe we definitely should exercise wisdom and even compliance and caution in certain situations. But the one thing we should not do is live our life in fear. Don't live your life in fear. Let me give you an exhortation for the Word of God. Jesus said, fear not. That's enough for me. Jesus said, fear not. The psalmist said, fret not. And Paul the apostle said, be anxious for nothing. Don't go to bed at night in fear. But what are we to do? Paul the apostle said this, and I know many of you are waiting for me to read this text, and I will. Paul told Timothy, God's not given you. You need to say that to yourself. If you go to work and you say, Pastor, i got to pay the bills. I can't just, uh, I can't just stay at home. I've got to go to work. Then you get in your car. You go to work and you say, God, I've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So don't live your life in fear. Prophesy the prophetic favor of God over your family. I've been trying to teach that to you since I've been your pastor for 16 years. Prophetically declare the protection of God. 
Let me give you a few scriptures. Do you even have, here's what I want to say, do you have a promise in your heart of divine protection for your life? Is there something that's already written in the tablet of your heart that you can get up with and you don't have to go to the concordance and you don't have to go to Blue Letter Bible because God's already put it in your heart? If you don't, I'm going to give you three just real quickly. The first of which is in Exodus chapter number 23 and 25. They're going to put that on the screen. I want you to read it there with me. I love to read it. He said, if you will serve the Lord God and if he will bless your bread and your water. And look what God said, I will take sickness. I will take the coronavirus, I'll take cancer, I'll take arthritis. That's how you pray that prayer. God, you'll take it right away from us in Jesus' name. There's your promise. You're looking for a promise, there's one. How about the most famous of all would probably be Psalm 91. It would be wrong not to read it this morning. Read it, we'll read it quickly. But look at this. The psalmist said, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you're going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. In my God, that's who I'm going to trust. Right? Surely He's going to deliver me from the snare of the fowler. I felt like running right there. And from what? And coronavirus. And three years from now when the next virus comes down. And five years from now when the next one comes down. He's still in the business of delivering His children from the pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and in His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Let's go on and read this. This is building faith in here right now. I'm not going to be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the... Come on, y'all read it with me right You want a word? There's your word. The pestilence that walketh in darkness or the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. But it's not going to come nigh unto me. Come on now. Only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9. Because you wise this. Wise protection made unto you. Because you made the Lord your refuge. You made the Lord who is the most high your habitation. That's who you're trusting in. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. That's a good place to stop that right there. So you say, Pastor, I just needed a word this morning. Well, you got a word right there. There's no plague going to come near your, well, your dwelling if you'll but trust in Him. And then one other, perhaps my most favorite of all, I want to give you a word because I don't want you living your life in fear. I believe in the authoritative Word of God. I believe it's greater. It's medicine to all our flesh. It is. It lives our soul and encourages us. Let's read this one, though. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. And this is about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, look at this. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed what? Y'all read that right there, those last four words. All that were sick. Look at this, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He took our infirmities, and he bare our sicknesses. Come on, he bare our sicknesses. He bare our sicknesses. So we're trusting in the grace of God. I want to encourage you today, pray for the prayer of repentance upon this nation. I don't want to be somebody that's exploiting crisis during moments like this. But at the same time, I don't want to fail to say, you know what, there's evil in the land. There's evil. People need to be aware of their mortality. Hello? Right? They need to be aware. I, I was telling Sister Sherry about this, and I was said, you know, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to exploit this. 
But at the same time, did you know Jesus did? Did you know in Luke chapter number 13, there was a crisis in his day. A tower fell. 13 people were killed. You know what? And he pointed to it. He said, did you see the tower fall? And those people that were killed? He said, if you don't repent, you'll all likewise perish. So, so, so it behooves all of us. I want you to see. I want, you to, I want to show you one quick four verses real quickly of a passage that I want you to see. When Solomon, this is often overlooked in Solomon's encouragement about praying when there's evil in the land. But look at this in verses 37 through 40 of 1 Kings chapter number 8. Read it with me. And this is again, he said, If there's in the land famine or pestilence, blasting mildew, locusts or caterpillar, if their enemy besieged them in the land of their cities, whatever plague, whatever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication be made by any man or by all the people of Israel, look at this, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. The people of America need to know there's a greater virus. They're already infected with it. It's called the virus of sin, right? It's a plague in every man's heart. And we don't need to just pray for medicinal recovery. We need to pray for spiritual repentance in the land. Come on, is that right? We need to pray. That's going to be part of our prayer in this house today. We're going to pray that people's hearts... God, give us a, a, a new great awakening. God, let people begin to rend their clothes and turn to God in repentance. How many believe entire cities can repent before God? The Bible gives us the record with Jonah when that fish spit him out on the coastline and he walked through the city gates and said, in 40 days, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. The Bible says, from the king to the pauper, every man tore his clothes, sat in sackcloth and ashes, and God spared the city. People, there could be a, wouldn't it be awesome to see in the midst of this crisis a, a nationwide, I felt my preacher come on me right there, a nationwide repentant revival, right, where hearts are just saying, God, my mortality is in front of my eyes, and I recognize God unto what uh, man it is, you know, appointed once to die, and after this, the judgment, and I want to know you. God, wouldn't that be a powerful thing? So let's pray for it. If we don't pray for it, we may not receive it, and we may not see it. Number six, and I'm going to begin to close in just a moment. Recognize the sovereignty of God in crisis situations. What do you mean by that? Well, let me read a couple of verses real quickly. Proverbs 21 and 1 spoke about that the heart of the king is in the hand of God, and he could turn it whithersoever he will. Daniel chapter number 4, verse number 32, an angel of God came to an arrogant king called Nebuchadnezzar, and the angel of God said, you're going to eat grass like a cow in the field until you know God rules and reigns in the kingdoms of men, right? And in Acts 17, and we're not going to read that for the sake of time, but even the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul said, God has beforehand determined the bounds of man's habitation. How many of you believe in the sovereignty of God? What does that mean, the sovereignty of God? Does that mean that God sent the coronavirus? No. But does that mean that God can strategically use the fallen nature of man and the sinfulness and the sicknesses and the pestilences for God to bring about His divine purposes, then yes, He can. Doesn't mean it originated in His heart and mind. No, absolutely not. But I believe that God could turn all things together for the good of His people, for His own glory, and to accomplish His predetermined counsel. So there is a sovereignty of God that we have to recognize in everything that we do. 
And the reason why is I'm going to share this just before I close. It's number seven. This may be the most important. I'm going to take the longest one to say. Changes could occur in the United States. This is not hysteria. This is reality. 9-11 brought changes. And the way of life that we know it has not been the same. You can still think back to exactly where you were at when you heard about the trade towers. Correct? And everything that we do has changed since that time. There could be a change. Something could be being disrupted. It doesn't mean the end of the world. But it could mean a cultural shift. Now, hey, listen, don't disconnect from me right now because I'm just about to really tag into your heart. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. Let me say it again. Isaiah 24. Let's put this one up here on the screen if we can. Look at this real quickly. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh its waste and turneth it upside down. Things can turn quickly, suddenly. I wrote it in my notes. Did you know a river can change course? I went back and I read about the, I believe it was in 1876. There's a city in Mississippi, Natchez, is that how you say it? Mississippi was on the banks. It was a city, it was a port city that was uh, where commerce and even unfortunately during the slave trade, it was a place of interaction because it was a port city. And they, didn't, they knew that the possibility existed, but then one day, one day in April of 1876, something shifted upstream. And when it shifted upstream, all of a sudden the river changed its course. And the people that got up every day expecting there to be boats and ships in the harbor bringing goods and commerce into the city suddenly watched the water totally until it's a dry riverbed. And it totally changed the structure of that city for many years. So things can change, good and bad, positive and negative. But at the same time, I'm trusting that in the sovereignty of God, God's going to work all things out. You know, one thing, I know this is foolish. And y'all may say, Pastor, you're going way out there. I'm going to pray that during a crisis, what they're calling a worldwide crisis, I say let there be a financial shift. Take the money and the resources out of the drug community. Take it out of Hollywood elitists, right? And put it in the hands of the people of God. And let us evangelize the known world. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So, hey, maybe it'll be a spirit-filled believer that gets the revelation for the vaccine. Come on. I mean, you'll probably be Asian, but that's all right. There's a great revival in the Asian countries. But at the same time, church family, I'm saying all that to tell you, you've got to be prepared. That things are shifting around you. And you got to be prepared to change as they change. And you got to be prepared to respond. And know this, that God will work all things out for the, His own glory and for your good. Do you believe that today? I believe that with all my heart. That gives me a great hope and peace today. And I'm going to not go to those last scriptures there for the sake of time. The last thing I'm going to challenge you today, confronting the crisis. Confronting the crisis. Ready? Let your light shine. I mean, you just say, Pastor, I still have a mandate. You still have a purpose. Right? You still got an opportunity. Some of you are going to be over at home more the next few days. Some of you are going to be on Facebook. You're going to be doing your little thing. Well, hey, how about being a bright and shining light? How about don't feed the hysteria? How about be a sound voice of reason? Calmness, speaking word of truth, speak life, speak hope, speak blessing. Come on. Speak intercession. Challenge people. 
Do the right thing. Say the right thing. Here's a verse that Jay sent me in Exodus 10 and 22. It says, There was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Isn't that powerful today? There's darkness. There might be darkness in the land, but how many of you say, Pastor, I got light in my household? Come on, I got love in my household, right? We can trust God. Hey, I remember the days of Elijah. There was a famine in the land, there was no food. He was there with the widow who had just enough food for one meal. To the, prophet, to the prophetic power of God fell on that meal barrel and that cruise of oil. Hey, I'll go back to this. If I have to pray for a toilet tissue to just keep on going. Come on, that's what we will. We'll have that roll of Charmin that just never runs out. Come on, hallelujah. You say, that's just foolish. You know what? I'm telling you what. Our God does foolish things for His own glory and the good of His people. If we recognize these things, then we're going to let our light shine. Jesus said, you're a city set on a hill, and you cannot be hid. So don't hide right now, but let your light shine to the glory of God. Let other people see your good works, and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so today, I want to thank you, and we're going to turn this into a moment of prayer. We're going to confront the crisis by prayer. Jason's going to come first. He's going to have a microphone. He's going to lead you in corporate prayer. Right where you're at. We're not going to necessarily bring you forward. And then Joe's going to follow, and he's going to pray over. He wants you to join him in prayer as he prays over protection for you and your family. And then the psalmist, our bearded psalmist, is going to return, and he's going to lead us in prophetic praise, giving God the glory for his victory. Amen. That's how First Assembly Hebrew Springs is going to respond. Uh, don't leave if you can. Stay with me and let's pray and let's worship God together.